We've got an evangelist that when I found out we had the opportunity to have Brother Mahaney, I was just shocked. My goal is always to, to, to find people that you never think you can get or never bring in. And, and he was so kind to uh, accept our invitation to be at a youth rally tonight. If you've never heard him, I know his father carries a huge name and reputation, but this man is truly anointed of God. He truly speaks on a level that I just love and adore, and we are so honored and blessed to have Brother Mahaney tonight. Amen. Would you please help me welcome our evangelist, Brother Nick Mahaney. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Come on. He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. Hallelujah. We exalt thee. We exalt thee. your hands to him. Oh, I praise you. Oh, I praise thee. Oh, I love you so much, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I praise thee. I will praise thee. Oh, Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I praise you, Lord, I praise thee. Come on, he desires our praise. Oh, I praise thee. I praise thee. Just one more time. Sing it to him. I exalt thee. Oh, we exalt thee. Oh, we exalt thee. 
your name, Jesus. In your name, oh, we exalt thee. Oh, we exalt thee. Hallelujah. We exalt thee. Hallelujah. Come on, I feel him in this place. Hallelujah. Come on, I feel his presence right now. Come on, the Lord wants to do something special for somebody right now in this place. What an honor to be here. Y'all can tell I'm not from Indiana. But it's good to be in the presence of God. I give honor to all the ministers on this platform and everybody that would come out on a Friday night and be in God's presence with me. Now, I have to apologize to the screen feller back there. But I feel like the Lord has asked me to preach something different. Somebody can get the Holy Ghost here in just a few minutes. I don't know anybody in this place, but I know somebody came in here and you're going to leave different than you walked in this door. Come on, maybe somebody's been seeking the Holy Ghost. Well, it's over. You're going to receive it in just a few minutes in this place. You know what? Jesus is the healer. Come on, somebody can walk out of this place healed. Come on, I know he's the healer. I've already seen him come out of wheelchairs. Come on. I've already seen cancer flee at the name of Jesus. Isaiah 53 and 1. Then Isaiah 9, 6. In my past, I've been arrested Many, many times, and right now with them lights in my face. I'm this close to confessing. <laughs> if I start hearing bad boys play, I'm running. I'm just telling y'all. <laughs> well, I'll try to run, all right? I'll walk real fast. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely 
he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, and with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's a mouthful right there. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Isaiah 9, 6. A familiar passage of scripture. Says, for unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. Who is that child? Come on, say his name. Who is that son? So you could really read it for unto us Jesus is born. Unto us Jesus is given. And the government shall be upon whose shoulder? Jesus' shoulders. And his name shall be called. Whose name? Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. Don't you let anybody tell you he's not the Father. The everlasting Father. The everlasting Father, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I want to preach this for a few minutes on death for life. You know, we got the, this is unbelievable music. I've, I've been all over, and this is top notch. The drummer's a little ugly, but. And the guy with the blue jacket, I don't know about him. We got the best preachers. These men up here, there's none like them. But how long has it been since you fell on your face? How long? We can shout, we can run, we can jump. But I'm afraid we've gotten away from repentance. Come on, if you're going to make it, it's when you lay it your face on your face at the foot of the cross. Come on, I love to shout, and I love to run, and I love to dance. But when I, my soul is strengthened is when I'm laying before him. And I say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Lord, touch my mind in the name of Jesus. Cover me with your blood, Jesus. Lord, forgive me of my actions. Forgive me of my thoughts, oh God. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for the cross. I'm so thankful for your blood. Lord, I'm so thankful that you reached down into a drug rehab and you filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I didn't deserve you. I turned my back on you, God. But you loved me enough that you died for me because you thought I was worth saving, Lord. Come on, you thought I was worth saving, God. So you came and you changed my life. Lord, you thought Nick Mahaney was worth keeping. So you died for me. 
I feel your presence in this place, Jesus. Help me, Jesus, get this message across. Let the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate right now in the name of Jesus. Let me hear your voice, God. Let me follow after you. You may be seated. It's a cool night out in the courtyard in Jerusalem. You see, a crowd has gathered around fires for warmth. They are talking in hushed voices. There's a rumor that they have brought in a man for question by the Sanhedrin court. You see, this is not just any man, but this is the rabbi and the teacher from Galilee. You see, this is the man that commanded demons to leave, and they fled at the sound of his voice. He told the cripple to rise up, and they were healed. This man spoke to blind eyes, and they were opened. When he spoke, deaf ears were unstopped. You see, this man, Jesus, not only cleansed the lepers of their leprosy, but he also told the dead to come alive and come up out of their grave, and it happened. You see, this man, Jesus, some say, is the Messiah. They hear how he's been betrayed by one of his own disciples for 30 pieces of silver. And he now faces 70 men of the Sanhedrin court. These are 70 of the most revered men in his country. These are 70 of the men that are most looked up to in his country. And he now stands before them on charges of heresy and blasphemy. You see, these men want him to be put to death. So they have even went out and found false witnesses against Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 63. But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man, sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? He is now found guilty by these men. It is their custom after they find someone guilty. All 70 of them would line up, and one at a time they would walk up to him and say, Guilty, and spit in his face and slap him. His head is now spinning. His ears are ringing. His face is swollen, and his lips are split from these heavy-handed men, and now he is led away. You see, the next morning, all the chief priests and elders They decide that he should be put to death. Now he is bound and led away to the governor, Pontius Pilate. You see, that same morning, Judas, the disciple that has betrayed Jesus, realizes what he has done, and he hangs himself. Now here stands Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate asks him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers, Thou sayest, you see, Pilate's wife, has been tormented all night in dreams about this man and tells Pilate not to have anything to do with him. 
Pilate, so he decides to give the people their choice. You can have Jesus, who has never done anything wrong, who has never hurt anyone. All he's ever done was heal. All he's ever done was help. Or you can have Barabbas, a murderer and an upriser. You know what the crowd begins to shout? Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Pilate says, what do you want me to do with him? And they begin to shout, crucify him. Crucify him. Matthew 27, verse 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. The, the Romans grabbed Jesus Christ. They begin to push him through this angry crowd. They begin to push him through this crowd that is bloodthirsty. And they reach out and they have to ring around him to push their way through this crowd. As the mob begins to reach up, they slap him. The Bible says they pulled handfuls of his beard out and they begin to push him through the crowd. They begin to curse him. And behind Pilate's Hall is this one massive courtyard. And in the middle of the courtyard stands one lone pillar. It's there for one reason and one reason only. A squad of soldiers are waiting on them. And they are masters of cruelty. They are masters of torture. This is their job. This is what they've been trained for. They fall on Jesus and they begin to stomp on him. They begin to tear his clothes from him. They lift him up in front of the world. Here he is, this modest rabbi, this modest Jewish man, naked now in front of the world, naked in front of his peers, naked in front of his family. They push him to this pillar, and they pull his left hand up as high as they can, and they shackle him to the side of the pillar. Then they stretch him as far as they can with his right wrist, and they tie him to the side of the pillar. His feet are barely touching the ground, and they begin to tie his ankles to this pillar. These masters of cruelty know exactly what they're going to do to him. And what they would do first, they would take an eight or a nine foot long oxhide whip. You see, this whip wasn't designed to tear the flesh. But this whip was designed to make it sop, supple and soft where they could tear it from his body. One on the left, one on the right. They fall upon him and they begin to beat him. I can hear his voice as it screams out in pain and agony and red, angry red whelps raise up upon his skin. Over and over they beat him, over and over as fast as they can until they're finally out of breath. Two more men walk up to take their place. They reach on the table and they grab a flagrum, which is a long wooden handle, and it has strips of leather coming out the end of it embedded with sheet bone, glass, and metal. It's designed to grab the flesh and tear it from his body. They take that whip and they lay it upon his back. And as the, the whip hangs in the flesh, the soldier has to pull it. And when he does, a red angry mist of blood begins to shower. And great red drops of blood begin to fall upon the cobblestones. He screams out in agony as over and over they beat him and they beat him and they beat him. I can hear the prophet Isaiah's voice 
as it begins to echo down through the centuries. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Let me tell somebody in this place, that beating wasn't for our salvation. Come on, he didn't have to be beat for us to be saved. But he was beat because he knew that we needed more than a savior. That we was going to need a healer. He knew that we was going to have to be free from drugs, alcohol, depression, and anxiety. He said, go ahead, lay that whip across my back one more time. Because there's a drug addict named Nick Mahaney in a drug rehab. And if I don't be beat, he can't be free. Over and over and over, they beat him. They have to cut a trench around this pillar because the blood is flowing out of him. They call this the half death, not because they beat you half to death, because half of everybody ever beaten by the Romans died. Finally, they knew just how far to take him. They reach up and they cut him down. He falls to the ground in a crumpled heap. His head is spinning. The pain is so severe. He's going into shock. He begins to throw up and retch. But they jerk him to his feet. And they put a purple robe upon him. And a crown of thorns on his head. A reed in his right hand. And they begin to mock him. Hail, king of the Jews. Then the word tells us how they put his own clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified. Tortured, ridiculed, spit upon. He's led to Golgotha. You see, at this time in history, if you lived in this area of the world and you was not a Roman citizen, it was not uncommon to be crucified. Because if you did anything that they thought was against Rome, they didn't even hardly give you a trial. They just took you outside the city, and they crucified you. So Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. This was not the first time he had seen anybody crucified. You can research it. Jesus grew up in Galilee when he was probably in his early 20s. The Jews had an uprising. The Romans come in and they put down this uprising. While they were putting down this insurrection, they crucified 3,000 men in his home area. Can you imagine as he walked the streets and he looked up and he seen those men hanging from a cross? He knew that one day that was going to be him because that was why he was put on his earth. His destiny was the cross. So his flesh knew what was going to happen. And they put a 75 to 125-pound cross member up on his shoulders. They throw him to the ground. I research the crucifixion all the time because I can't believe that God would love me so much that he would robe himself in flesh, step out of heaven, step into earth, and come and die for Nick Mahaney. What they would do, 
They would take, they would lash your bicep to the cross as tight as they could. Moving down, they would tie your forearm to the cross. These Roman soldiers wore cleated sandals so they wouldn't slip and fall in combat. He'd walk up, stomp on your wrist, and as it would open up, they would take the point of a seven-inch spike, and they would put it through his palm. One fell swoop, they would drive it into the wood. He would scream out in agony because all your nerves end in your feet and in your hands. And then you find out why they lash him to the cross. Because once the nail penetrates those nerves, he begins jerking. His arm begins flopping, and he would literally tear himself from the cross. They would take and tie, take a loop around his left wrist then. Five or six men would begin to pull him until they heard something snap or pop, which was usually the shoulder being dislocated or the elbow. They would lash his bicep to the cross one more time, lashing his forearm to the cross. They would walk up and stomp on his wrist again. They would take and they'd put that spike in his left hand, drive it into the wood. His body would begin to go in convulsions. He would scream out in agony as the blood began to pour out on the rocks. Five or six men on each side would then take and lift him on a pole. Here he is hanging by his arms and his hands, flailing and kicking and the blood pouring out on the ground. Laughing, they walk him to an upright stake, dropping him down. His body jerks and comes to a sudden stop, and he screams out in agony. The pain is so severe that he can't hardly take it. You see, we, because of arduous renderings, they always depict Jesus nailed to a cross with his feet on a platform, one on the other, a nail driven through the top. See, the problem is there's not a lot of bones of people being crucified because they would leave you out there until the animals ate you and drug the bones off. But they found in a tomb in Jerusalem, they found an ossuary, which is the bones of a man that was crucified about the time of Jesus. And what stood out to him was the nail was still embedded into his heel. Because what they would do, they would bend your knee and they would take the point of that nail where the ankle and the heel meet and they would drive it through that space into the Achilles tendon. Can you imagine how awful he must have screamed out in pain as that Achilles tendon ruptures? And they walk over and they bend his left knee and they drive the other nail into his left foot, screaming out in agony. He is now crucified. You see, his lungs begin to fill up with fluid. And the only way he can take a breath is he has to pull himself up to where he's level and he can get one quick breath and he'll sag back down until he can't take it no more. And he pulls himself up one more time for one other breath. You know what he says? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Here he is, God robed in flesh, hanging on a cross, Paying our, my redemption with his crimson cash. Here he hangs. Here he hangs looking down through the ages. I know that he looked down through the ages and he seen me. And he said, nevertheless, I'll do it for Nick Mahaney. I'll do it for him. You see the, the flies are buzzing his face. Because of the climate, there's already maggots coming out of the wounds that where he was beat the day before. 
The Bible says that he hung there, the gnats in his face, the sweat burning his eyes. And it says about the sixth hour to the ninth hour, it became dark. You ever wonder what time that was? That was noon till 3 p.m. The brightest and hottest time of the day. But I believe that when the sun seen what humanity was doing to God robed in flesh, that it said, I can't look at this anymore. And I believe that the sun covered its face. All through the word we read how angels minister in Jesus' life. Gabriel comes to his mother and father in dreams. Tells him he's going to be born. Angels tell him to go to Egypt. Angels say, leave Egypt, go to Galilee. Angels are there in the desert when he fasts for 40 days and he's tempted. Angels are there in the garden because he prays so hard. Father, he says, let this cup pass from me. He prays so hard that it's like great drops of blood instead of sweat falling onto the ground that he almost dies and angels begin to minister to him there. But you can search it over and over. There are no angels at the cross because I believe that if he would have let them, they would have destroyed everybody on this planet. But you know what he said? Gabriel, you and Michael better stay back because there's a drug addict named Nick Mahaney that's in a drug rehab. I got to die for him. There's a young person at a youth rally in Frankfort, Indiana. If I don't die for him, they're going to be lost in hell. Stay back. Stay back. Stay back. Then on the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. Immediately, the veil in the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom because when Jesus said it was finished, the Spirit of God burst out of the temple, ripping the veil because no longer was the blood of animals going to be needed to atone sins. No longer was the blood of bulls and goats going to be needed. Now it was the blood of God himself. That would not only cleanse us, but it was going to heal us and set us free. They shoved a spear into his side. And they took the lifeless body from the cross. And they took it, put it in a great tomb. The Bible said a great stone was rolled to block the entrance. You see, the priests had heard him prophesy. The people had heard him prophesy how he would raise up three days. So you know what they did? They set a guard in front of that tomb. Matthew 28 and 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. Woo! He is not here. For he is risen as he said. Come see the place. Come see the place. Come see the place where the Lord lay. I want you to know that he's alive. He's alive. 
Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. That same Jesus is in this place right now. That same Jesus is walking these aisles. That same Jesus is here to fill somebody with his spirit. That same Jesus is here to heal your body. That same resurrected Jesus is here to drop chains of addiction off of you. They tell me you can go to the tomb of Confucius and his bones are still there. I've even heard that the bones of Buddha are still in his tomb. But I want you to hear me. I have been to the tomb of Jesus. When I walked in there, there wasn't nothing in this place. Come on, when I walked in there, there wasn't even no stench. When I walked in there, there wasn't no bones. You know why? Because he is risen. He is risen. He's alive. He's alive. He lived, he died, he rose again. Let me tell somebody in this place, you've been living in bondage, the price has already been paid. He is our Redeemer. 1 John three sixteen. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That same Jesus is in this place right now. That same Jesus that rose on that third day is here right now. Let me tell you something. I was the worst drug addict of anybody that you've ever known. I'm privileged. I get to work with drug addicts because of my ministry. I've never seen anyone as bound by drugs and alcohol and pornography as I was. But that resurrected Jesus. One moment. One moment. And his presence and his blood changed me for a lifetime. One moment. At the foot of the cross. That's been 12 years ago. I haven't taken another drink of alcohol. Come on. I haven't put another drug in my body. I haven't looked at pornography one time. Come on. Because that resurrected Jesus covered me with his blood. He set me free. He healed my mind that day. He healed my body. But I want to tell you the greatest thing he ever done was when that blood began to touch my life. He forgave me of my sins. How long has it been, young person? Huh? Can I talk to you just for a moment? The Bible talks about there arose a generation that didn't know the things that the Lord had done for the generation before it. The Lord spoke to me this week. said, you was part of that generation. My father was one of the greatest evangelists that ever stepped behind a pulpit. I was telling these men of God before church, he's the only man I've ever seen that prayed for blind eyes and they were instantly healed. 
But somewhere, I didn't fall in love with him. Come on, I'm not the only one in my age group. Pastor, it's a shame that men our age, we're a rarity now. We have our elders. We have our young men. But this generation didn't fall in love with him like our other generation. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, I got news for you. This generation right here is hungry for what I want to pour out upon this earth. Because you see, there arose a man, the Bible says, whose heart beat with God's heart. You know what God said? I'm going to make a promise to you, David. Your seed's going to be blessed. I'm going to make a covenant with you, David, for a thousand generations. He even told his son Solomon, he said, guess what? If you'll keep my commandments, if you'll do what I say, then I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. But if you ever fall, if you'll just come back to me, and if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent, I believe that this is the generation that's going to see the blind eyes open again. I believe that this is the generation that's going to see a revival like there's never been before. I'm looking at this generation, this generation. It comes with a price. It comes with a price. These men are elders. I know for a fact my father prayed three to five hours a day, just every morning. Came with a price. He gave up everything. He said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But this generation is willing to pay the price. Come on. This generation. I'm looking at some young men right now that's going to step to the forefront of the end time revival. That's going to preach messages. I'm looking at some young ladies that's going to step on foreign fields that's not afraid to fight devils. Come on. I'm looking at some young people that is this generation. As the musicians come. Come on, I'm talking to a young man. You hear me right now. You know the call of God is on your life. You're walking around and confused. You're in a confused state because some of the people that was the elders in your life didn't live it like you thought they should have lived it. Come on. Listen to me. I'm going to talk to some parents just real quick. We can't keep blaming young people that aren't on fire for God when they were raised up in a home where it was all right to miss if you had a headache. It was all right to miss if it was a ball game you wanted to go to. And we expect them to be sold out when we haven't been sold out. Let me speak some clarity to a young man in this place. God is raising you up for this time and this place for this generation. Don't you worry about it, young lady. You get on fire for God. You go ahead and do what God wants you to do in your life because you're a part of the chosen generation that's going to see the sky roll back like a scroll and the dead in Christ are going to rise first than we which are alive and remain. This generation, this generation. Who would be the first? Say, I'm coming, to the, I'm coming to the cross. It's not going to be the same when I leave here tonight. Come on, who's willing to pay the price? Come on. Are you willing? Are you, are you ready to let another generation slide by? Come on. Come on, young men. Who wants to come out first? 
Walk up here and lift your hands and say, God, use me. God, whatever it takes. I don't care what I'm praying right now that a hunger for fasting and a hunger for the word and a hunger for prayer begins to fall on some young people in this place. This generation. Come on, that's it. Come on, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need to walk right on up here because God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on, he's equipping people. He's got an army he wants to send out. It's this generation. Come on, you're going to be the ones on the street corner. Come on, conferences aren't the same anymore. That's why people are flocking to holiday youth convictions, National Youth Congress, because this generation seeks his face. I wonder if there's any parents, any preachers, any pastors who are willing to impart to this generation and walk down here and begin laying your hands upon them. Come on, walk down here and put your hands upon them. Come on and begin to impart some things to them. Bible study at your school. It's time to witness to your family and your friends. Come on, I wonder some elders. Come on, elders, come down here and put your hands upon their head. The Bible says that Joshua was full of wisdom because Moses had put his hands on him and imparted.
Come on, I'm gonna step out. God's calling me. 